Welcome back into Sideline Stories Podcast. This is episode 10, the final episode of season one with Ryan Oliver and myself, Connor Fenland. Thank you to all who have listened so far this season. Today we are joined by 1996 Albany Times Junior Year, a 2001 Siena graduate, class of 2012 Capital District Hall of Fame member, a MAC champion, and current head coach of the Siena Saints, Carm Massarello. Thanks for joining us, Carm. Oh, thanks, fellas. Great to see some fellow Saints on here. It's awesome. <laughs> so, obviously, we're getting out of this COVID, and for a while, we're going to still be in it. But take us back to, you know, beating Manhattan Act Tournament, which seems like moons, many moons ago. What was the feeling, you know, the next day when word started getting around that, you know, the MAC tournament and maybe the NCAA tournament was going to be canceled? And the second part to that is how was it breaking it to the seniors knowing that their college careers were over? Yeah, um, you know, twofold. You know, it was great, great just winning that first game. That was our first, you know, my first postseason win, right, conference tournament win. Um, you know, I was really happy for Sammy Friday. I thought he really, you know, did well when Elijah got in some foul trouble. I had Sammy actually advance us in the bracket that we had in the locker room. And, uh, you know, we were just getting excited to, uh, you know, game plan and prep and go to shoot around the next day. And it was going to be the winner of Quinnipiac Monmouth. And uh, so I said, hey, fellas, there's talk of tournaments being canceled. And, and so I don't know what's going to happen, but we still have this time slot to get better. So let's go get a stretch. Let's go get some shots up and let's uh, prepare like, we, you know, we, we got a chance to play both of these teams and just kind of go through some shell defense and whatnot. Uh, and so obviously you hear, hey, uh, the MAC tournament's canceled. And, um, you know, then I get a phone call saying, hey, if the NCAA tournament does happen, you guys are going because you're the number one seed. You won the regular season outright. And uh, for me, that's what I was really proud of, that, that we could kind of leave our mark, uh, that first team, my first year at the helm, and hang a banner saying we won a regular season title. So in that regard, I thought it was uh, – kind of bittersweet for the seniors. Elijah Burns got to come back home. Um, Matt Hine, who I recruited to Boston U, I got to play for me as a head coach. Um, obviously, Ben Diamond, who was a tremendous worker and, and just a great locker room guy. Sammy Friday, who was going to, you know, we knew was going to graduate and, and pursue a degree elsewhere because he was a social major and, and Siena really doesn't have that um, field for a master's. And then obviously, um, Danny Cohen, our manager. So uh, just excited. Those guys could go out winners. Obviously disappointed we couldn't uh, keep that momentum going. I really felt like we were gelling and peaking at the right time. Um, well, with that being said, you know, I, I just told them I loved them and, and there's nothing to hang their head about, heads about. It was a chance to, you know, do something that hadn't been done in 10 years. We were regular season champs and uh, they could leave their legacy as that, that first class, that foundation for bringing Siena basketball back. Yes, sir, Carm. You said the words right <laughs> there, bringing Siena basketball back. Um, I know I can speak on many fans that we're excited to have you there um, as that head guy. And talk about how the COVID has really changed everything. And I'm sure this is your a thousandth or a millionth Zoom, but just talk <laughs> about how what you've learned from COVID and what you'll take moving forward in terms of like technology and being creative. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my wife calls me Mr. Zoom. So it was even worse. During <laughs> during the you know the height of this um and you know what it, it, it's tough I feel for the guys because there's there's no sense of normalcy and, and we don't want to be normal right we're at Siena we don't want to be average um you know we got creative with having different zoom calls with like you know Avery Johnson who is a hall of famer who obviously coached in the NBA and played for the Spurs and uh just phenomenal person uh CJ McCollum from the Trailblazers uh, obviously, uh, one of our own Hall of Famers, Kenny Hasbrook. So we had those guys speak to our guys. 
Um, you know, we did some different Zoom calls and some different, um, you know, show and tell sessions with guys that are, hey, pick out something in your room and talk to us about it because, you know, let's, let's kind of dive into, you know, where you're kind of confined right now. And, and I think the biggest thing you learn is you got to make the, the most out of everything. Um, and also now it's different even from when you guys played, right? These, these kids and their kids still, right? You have to be able to reiterate and communicate with them 24 seven, you know, you can tell them and give them a direction on a zoom and then they still need a reminder the next day via text and via Instagram and via Twitter. And it's like, you know, eventually, you know, we want to continue to create great habits. So these guys are successful when they leave Siena and when that basketball stops bouncing. So I, I just think you got to demand it. You know, we have rules for guys on Zoom and they have to, you know, have their video on. They have to be at a desk. They have to have a notepad. They have to have a, and it's crazy because you think as a professional or as a, a, a college graduate or a prep school coach, right? Or a, a media announcer that they would, they would carry over successful traits, but you know, these guys sometimes are in Zoom in their room and they're in their pajamas and in their bed and their videos off and they wonder why they don't get a good grade. And I'm like, fellas, this is this is the teacher's classroom still. You know, now it's it's through a camera, but you have to respect that. You have to be able to participate. You have to show eye contact. You can't just get up and, and walk down the hallway to get a drink. Um, and so I think it's a growing process for everybody, but it's it's still about holding guys accountable, still letting them know, hey, that this discipline matters and you have to also hold yourself accountable. No, that, that, the Zoom, Zoom, I wish I had Zoom stock before all this started because, it, you know, I would be through the roof. But as you talked about keeping up with the team in Zoom, how has recruiting been? I know it's probably similar Zoom. You show videos of Sienna. You try to show pictures of the practice facility. Do you see this maybe carrying on longer, more, even after COVID, Zoom could be the way to go to recruit? Yeah, you know what, we're, we're trying to be aggressive in that regard. We're done with that 2021 class. Uh, I can't really speak on that, obviously, for NCAA rules. But um, overall recruiting, it's it's more live streamed and, and, you know, watching kids play and, you know, still working your network and, and talking to people. I think the biggest thing is you got to have good intel. You got to have people that want to tell you the truth. You know, everyone everyone wants to be your friend when you have scholarships and they think they can give you a kid and, and it's, it's their credibility, right? They, they want to say, Oh, I got this kid to Sienna. I got this kid here. I got this kid there. At the end of the day, if it's not a right fit and it's not a kid that can, can help the program, you know, in a, in a multitude of ways, right? I don't just want a kid that's a, a great basketball player. You know, my, my biggest thing is, you know, the basketball, if you work hard, the basketball is going to take care of yourself. I want a high character individual. I want somebody that's going to look me in the eyes and tell me the truth and, 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 know what I want and how I want it done. And then when they don't live up to those expectations, they got to know they haven't and they got to be able to address it themselves and then, you know, bring it to their teammates. You know, I want guys that can hold themselves accountable, their teammates accountable. And then, like I said, that, that third piece is the basketball piece. Obviously we're going to be able to get, you know, talented student athletes, but they got to be better people first. That says a lot about you, Carm. And I definitely appreciate that. Um, we talked a little bit about COVID also during that time, um, a lot of the racial injustice issues occurred in the world. Um, recently you started or joined the Coaches for Change. Talk about that and kind of have the impact that's made and kind of the goals for that. Yeah, so it, it was um, obviously a tough time in our country, right? Everyone sees the, the, the brutal murder of George Floyd. And um, obviously there's been other countless episodes of 
injustices in this country that have been caught on video um, in all different parts of the U.S., from Texas to the Midwest. And when it's all said and done, I just felt as a leader of a program, I had a chance to make an impact and have a greater voice. And that's kind of why one of the major reasons I wanted to be a head coach was to kind of be able to be a leader and be able to kind of speak up and draw attention to things that maybe as an assistant, I couldn't, couldn't. And uh, so, you know, coaches for change kind of started. I reached out to a few friends. I reached out to my uh, friend, Marcus King at Tennessee tech, and he was a junior college coach in, in Baytown, Texas at first. Um, and now he works for John Pelfrey at Tennessee tech and Jerry McNamara at Syracuse, Mike Menig at Oregon, Amir Abdul-Rahim at Kennesaw state, um, Alvin Brooks, the third at Baylor, a bunch of different guys, because obviously, as you said, during this COVID, uh, I was on so many different zoom calls and podcasts where I'm meeting different guys from across the country and getting to build relationships. And then I was like, Hey, you know, let's have a zoom call and a zoom call of 20 turned into a zoom call of 40. And then it turned into a zoom call of 80. And then it turned into let's incorporate women's basketball coaches and let's incorporate strength coaches and um you know it's more or less to engage educate empower and evolve our student athletes and ourselves and to help not only our college campuses and communities um but also each other uh so we can use ourselves as sounding boards we can help with best practices uh how are we dealing with certain situations and someone that's in the west coast may be doing it completely different than how we're doing it here in the east coast and there may be a chance just like in coaching to to kind of grow our arsenal with how to solve problems whether it's on the court or off the court and we felt like the biggest thing we could do at first was just to you know deal with the civic engagement and, and having all of our student athletes get registered to vote. Uh, we thought that was kind of some low hanging fruit where we could really see some tangible results. And so uh, we, we pushed to get all of our teams and then the women's team and then our athletic departments all registered to vote. Um, but, you know, with that being said, it's, it, it's, it's a lot of work, right? It's, it's a not-for-profit. It's a 501c3. Um, you know, I've never done anything like that in my life before. So I was kind of growing as well. And, you know, not only did we want to be able to talk about the social injustices and educating our student athletes, but we also wanted to be able to address the lack of diversity in college athletics and college athletic departments. So not only are we able to have those conversations, but we're also able to give younger coaches and support staff and assistant coaches the ability to have a voice and to grow as leaders within our organization and then also use us as resources, whether it's for a job interview or a connection that someone else in our group may have. Uh, so it really works uh, collaboratively uh, to deal and, and grow all of us together to try to be a coach for change in all regards from athletic departments to social injustices to getting our student athletes registered to vote and to, you know, helping our athletic departments to navigate these tough times. So it's, it's really just something that's all encompassing. And, uh, you know, we're still working on trying to how, you know, how we can streamline things, you know, do we need somebody actually in charge of it? I'm per se the executive director and, and the founder, but when it's all said and done, I'm still also a head coach and a family of four and a, and a dad and a husband. And so, you know, it's a lot of time. So now how do we build it so it can also run itself, but it's still pure and genuine. And I think that was the biggest thing that really got people engaged was we are like an organic group. It's not something that's just done um, as a mouthpiece, right? We've been able to accomplish some things. No, that's, it's great. You know, I've been following it on social media as, as probably everyone is, but talk a little bit about the relationships you have with other coaches, other people in the industry. You know, as you said, it's a relationship business. You know that as, as well as anyone else, but 
you know, obviously you want to beat every coach you go against, but it's all for one cause. And talk a little bit about how, how reaching out to everyone and how that got going. Yeah, it just, it just was obviously uh, conversations like, hey, Jerry, what are you guys doing? What's Coach Beheim doing with, with your team? Uh, how are you guys handling this? What are you doing uh, with COVID protocols? So it was, it was kind of everything from the social injustices to protocols for COVID to, hey, what are you doing scheduling-wise? What are you doing for workout-wise? Uh, all that stuff. But it was – it was really cool because, you know, like, for instance, King Rice was uh, was really happy that that I took a stand and did something because you get a lot of people that want to talk and don't want to do anything. And that was one of the major things that I I wanted to do. You know, you had so many people on all these Zoom calls talking about, um, hey, well, we need to do something. There has to be change. And, and, and everyone on our Zoom calls, right, you're all of the same kind of like mindedness. So you're not going to find a racist in your group of college basketball coaches. For the most part, we've all been around all different walks of life and we've navigated those times and we see everybody, even though we see black, we see white, we see yellow, we, we value the black person for who they are. We value the white person for who they are. Um, and you have to see color, but in the same vein, you have to do something about it. You have to be an ally, right? And an advocate because it's, it's, it's so much more powerful when it's a white person saying, hey, our, our black brothers and sisters have been going through these uh, issues and fearing for their lives when they get pulled over at a traffic stop and we've never had to worry about that. So it's much more powerful coming from a white person, whether a man or a woman. And so um, even Rich Enzer in the MAC, you know, he, he sent the Coaches for Change initiative out to all the athletic director, directors and presidents. He even sent it to other commissioners of other leagues. Um, so it's, it's been great. It's, uh, I think it just gives you a way to show that we're more than basketball coaches, right? We're, we're coaches for change. We're trying to stand for something bigger than basketball. I like to hear that, Carm. I definitely love to hear that. And, I'm, you know, we're going to be following along as well. And hopefully can be a part of the uh, organization as well. Um, and st speaking of being more than coaches, um, so, Carm, you have a great relationship with your players. Um, looking from afar, you know, it seems like you, you're contacting them, texting, social media, Instagram, Twitter. And then I've seen a couple of times you listening to some players' songs. Just talk about your relationship with the guys and how you're really in tune with them. And, and you actually, you know, you're listening to their music. Yeah. So that's obviously Manny Camper, uh, you know, so proud of him. And right. You know, every, obviously the, the other thing is that we didn't really talk about is, um, you know, you have so many young black men and women that now all these issues are kind of being brought back up that, you know, they've probably had these things happen and they put them to the back burner, right? They've, they've forgotten about those things that really hurt them or, you know, really angered them. And now all this stuff kind of comes to light. And I thought Manny did a great job. He, you know, he didn't really want to talk, uh, you know, when the whole George Floyd murder went down, you know, I was making sure I was reaching out to the team. I released a statement on Twitter. You know, I texted the guys. I'm like, fellas, like I'm here for you, you know, whatever you need, you know, I, I got no answers, but I, you know, I'm here to listen. And, you know, they all just said they appreciated just knowing that. And so I, uh, you know, I think I was one of the first Matt coaches. I didn't even ask for a, a go ahead from Siena college or, or anybody. I just kind of put out my statement because I thought that was the right thing to do. And, um, 
you know, so Manny went to music to kind of to vent and to, to get his thoughts and heart out there. And, and uh, you know, I told him I loved him for it. And, and you know, I love all the guys. And, that, and that's just, uh, you know, I think to be real and to have a real relationship with, with your players is the, the difference in college basketball. I think you got a lot of guys that want to be the coach and be the dictator. And, you know, if you don't have a real relationship, guys aren't going to play for you. Now they may not like how I got to hold them accountable for every small minute detail, but um, at the end of the day, they know I have their best interest at heart. Um, you know, obviously I think, you know, with, with Jalen back and, and Manny and, and all these guys, I think the biggest thing is I have to be who I am, right? I'm still who I was as an assistant, except now it's just, I get to call the shots. Um, but I don't think I've changed at all, except maybe, you know, I'm a little more of a disciplinarian just for the fact that I can't have them thinking that we're cool and they can just do what they want. Like we're, we're cool, but there's still <laughs> standards we have. Um, and, and I think that's what I learned too, through my first year, um, you know, being able to run things how I want them run. And, and if, if, if I say you have to go, you know, 10 steps and a guy goes nine, like I got to call you on that because at the end of the day, nine steps leads to eight steps leads to seven steps. And now you're coming up way too short um, as opposed to, you know, having guys that when I say go 10, they go 12. Um, and so that's kind of what we're just working on now. I think that was the biggest thing losing Elijah and, and uh, Matt Hine, because um, they were both guys that, you know, did all those little things extra, because you still had Manny and you still had Don Carey. And, and losing Don um, to Georgetown, obviously happy for him. But at the end of the day, you want guys that, you know, could, could achieve their dreams at Siena. And uh, we wish him nothing but the best. But I think you guys will really like Nick Hopkins coming in. Uh, he's from a great program in Belmont who went to an NCAA tournament. And uh, he's, he's a high character kid as well. So excited for him and his year. Jordan King, same thing. But it's uh, one of those things where I think you got to have different relationships with different players, right? And all your relationships will be different with, with just the type of people they are because they're all different people. Um, and then how, how you kind of connect with them and whether it's, you know, talking to them about, you know, playing 2K too long or late at night. Uh, you know, Colin Golson's a freshman. He, he video streams. And so he has people actually following him on the computer because he streams his video games and people actually take notes from how he plays. Um, so, you know, it's it's changing time. But I think that's that's the best way to go about it is just kind of grow with your players and, and get to know them all at their level, right? You got to be able to listen and, and go to where they're at instead of making them come to you. No, it's, you're, you're definitely the, the guy we want in charge. Cause as you can see, those guys play really hard for you. And that's as an outsider, that's what you want uh, from the Santa program. Cause that's what it's all about, you know, brick by brick kind of thing. But I know you've been asked this question a million times and I'm not looking for any specific team, but <laughs> You had, a, you had a schedule made up. Obviously, COVID comes in. You have to revamp the schedule, all changes. What goes into, you know, trying to get a schedule made so quick? Yeah, so so <clears throat> there's, a, there's like a, a pool of teams, right? There's a lot of kind of like-minded teams that are all probably really good, right? Like, for instance, Buffalo, Northeastern, Vermont, um, St. Bonaventure, UMass, um, Albany, UMBC. So you, you have a bunch of different teams. Um, and we were supposed to play in the Advocare, which is down in Orlando, right? And obviously that's a, a monster of a tournament with high major, high major teams, Michigan State, Gonzaga, 
Auburn, Xavier, Boise State. Those were that was the field, and St. Louis, who was, should be a top twenty-five team this year. So, you know, our guys are hungry, and so I wanted to play an MTE just for the fact that it, it, it would be safer. So we're we're looking to play at Mohegan Sun. Um, there's a pool of teams. Obviously, the dates kind of fluctuate, and uh, it's looking now like we'll play on the twenty-fifth. We'll be off for Thanksgiving, but I wanted to be somewhere for Thanksgiving so we didn't have to worry about the guys going different places, people's different houses. Um, the testing will be take care, be taken care of there. Our meals will be taken care of there. Uh, so we'll play the 25th. We'll be off the 26th. We'll play the 27th, 28th, be off the 29th, play the 30th. So I'm looking to play four games there. Um, I just think it's a lot safer. You're in one spot. You can practice. You can eat. You know, you don't have to worry about guys, you know, being late or like so many things you don't have to worry about. Um, and then we'll look to play a game the 22nd or 23rd. Um, we do have a game. We were supposed to play at Bonaventure the 22nd. Um, so now we're just seeing if they still want to honor that contract or if they want to get out of it and just make us go there next year. I'm fine with either. Mm -hmm. um, so you get so many moving parts in that regard, right? And then you got so many teams. It just came out today, I think, that Northeastern, George Mason, Howard, and UMBC are going to play in a, a MTE down in D.C., but some of those teams were talking to the people running the Mohegan MTE and just basically, you know, ponying up to see, you know, what was better for them travel wise. So then it's, you know, it, it comes down to always that. And then obviously you got to look at how much it costs, but they pay for the referees too. So like people don't realize how much it is to, to pay for referees. You know, that's like, I think it's two grand a ref. So you, you get, you get four games with three refs, you know, that's like, over $20,000 just in referee fees. So um, obviously I, I could talk, like we talked about, you had a schedule set for this year. So do you just push those games back a year? Do you have to, you know, try to see if teams are still interested? Yeah. So, so like uh, for instance, the Patriot league said they're not going to play, but now some of the Patriot league schools are trying to play because army and Navy can play. So, you know, Colgate's trying to play because they're in New York state. What if they just play within New York state? So we were, we were supposed to open up with them. So I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the Patriot League schools. I know like Bucknell didn't have a date that worked because the MAC bumped up conference schedule. So we only had a small window to play non-conference games. So like for next year, we'll still go to Bucknell. We'll still have Yale at our place. We still got to go to American. Um, if we don't play Bonnie's at Bonnie's this year, we'll still have to go to Bonnie's. We'll still have to go to Holy Cross. So we just kind of push those back because some of them were four-year contracts. Some of them were two-year contracts. So you just bump it back. Sure. Crazy times. <laughs> <laughs> all, all we want to do is watch some basketball in a car. I know all you want to do is coach some basketball. Yeah, so, like, this is this is a calendar, right? So we yeah. got highlighted stuff. So this is <laughs> – this is – did I even – so this was the first one. So this has all – you know, I because I'm, I'm really – super uh i guess meticulous anal uh over the top organized ocd um where i kind of color code everything with off days and you know how many times we'll lift and what's the lift going to be is it going to be a recovery lift a maintenance lift are we going to you know have a hard lift um and then like hey what's the schedule going to be when classes are out of session right so we're going to end by like the 22nd or 23rd and then guys don't have class till mid-February. So how are we keeping these guys from staying up all night playing video games and watching Netflix? You know, that's, 
A lot, a lot that goes into it. <laughs> I don't think people realize the behind the scenes, so I'm, I'm glad you're touching on it. Um, Carm, we have a couple of guests on our pod who have been thrilled and excited that you're the head coach. They've all said, and I quote, you're a Sienna guy through and through. What does being back at Sienna mean for you? And just talk about what being a Sienna guy means for you as well. Um, no, I mean, it, it means the world to me. I, I think it's, uh, you know, people don't realize I gave up a full scholarship to come to Sienna. One, because Bob Byer, and I love Coach Byer, but Bob Byer didn't think I was good enough to play there coming out of high school. Um, two, I, there were people in the community that didn't think I was good enough to play there and that Coach Hewitt's conditioning um, – you know, was, was harder than anything anyone's ever done. And I came in and I think I won every sprint the first summer I was there. So that, that was easy. So I knew, I knew I could do it. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing with, with uh, kind of, you know, everyone talks about the Butler way, but the Sienna way for me is just getting guys that understand that, you know, we have something special with, with our community, um, with our students, with our professors, with our administration, um, with our fans. And, um, you know, I, I think they deserve the best. And I think that just means like you guys alluded to, you know, guys that play hard every single second they're on the floor, no matter if they're super talented or not, that they're going to give everything they got to help the betterment of the team. Um, and, and that goes from A to Z to the man managers, to the staff, to the support staff. Um, you know, it, just even today, um, you know, I was over at facilities and, and I had to talk to one of the facilities guys about one of the townhouses in the heat not working. And it wasn't even a townhouse for one of our players. It was a townhouse for uh, another student athlete on a different sport team. And they reached out to me. And, uh, you know, I just think it's a caring community where everybody wants to see everybody do well. And um, just a special place, to be honest with you. And um, I think the support is there. I love the fact that we're expected to win. Um, because it's not like that everywhere. And um, that pressure is a privilege. And, uh, you know, I think it helps kind of drive our vehicle to, uh, you know, get the best out of our young men. Obviously, growing up in the area, were you, were you a Sienna fan? Did you go to any Sienna camps? Any, any you know, anything for you? Yeah, so um, the, first, the first camp I went to ever was a basketball camp. I was in fourth grade. Uh, I just, just, taken away the Velcro sneakers and got my first <laughs> pair of Jordans. And uh, this was back when Mike Dean was running the camp. And there used to be a ton of kids because they had like four courts outdoors. They had a swimming pool outdoors. They had the arc with one, two, three, four, five courts. So where the bleachers on both sides, they had them going this way. They had the main court. Then they had where the practice court is now. And then the other one. So they had those five, they had four outside and they had a swimming pool. And uh, long story short, you know, and they made a, a, you know, they did an article or whatever, and put this on the news, but I basically got my report card at the end of that camp going into, you know, I think I was going into fourth grade and it said I should find another sport. I was a good kid, but basketball wasn't for me. Um, and so that was my first camp in fourth grade. Um, I went back in like eighth grade and led the camp in scoring was like one of the best players. And then, you know, it happened all over again, right? Coming out of high school, I wasn't good enough to play there. And then uh, came back and, and, you know, helped, you know, play as a walk-on basically. And uh, was six man on a team that won 20 games for Coach Orr. And uh, then obviously I had a chance, you know, hung him up after, you know, playing overseas and worked for Coach Fran uh, as his director of ops, which was awesome. And then had a chance to come back 
to work for Jamie and where I took a pay cut leaving GW to work for Jamie and it just kind of all worked out. But uh, yeah, I just, I think everything happens for a reason and it kind of builds your character and, it, and everyone's journey is unique, but that's what makes, makes you who you are. And so I think that's kind of another reason why I think I'm a, I'm a Sienna guy is because it, it Sienna's made me in one way or another. <laughs> that <laughs> it's crazy because all that happened, it still worked out for you at Sienna. And then you're inducted to the upstate basketball hall of fame. Talk about how, that was an honor for you and really full circle for your whole experience from the fourth grade report card to any of your senior season with the Saints. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, uh, I think it's always an honor when you can be inducted into anything. And, um, you know, I was a, a self-made player, just how I feel like kind of, I was a self-made coach. I was a guy that just worked tirelessly. I had a, a coach at New Hampshire. His name's Bobby Castagna. He, you know, he got into, um, the administrator's role at Cal Santa Barbara after he left University of New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, he'd be the guy that would work me out, you know, with my individuals and in the offseason stuff. Um, but, you know, I was a guy that pushed myself. I ran a 457 mile at New Hampshire. Um, and so, you know, I could run. I, I changed my body from when I went in as a, uh, a freshman at New Hampshire. I weighed 210 pounds. My sophomore year, I weighed about 187. And that was all just uh, weight room and, and running and eating right. And, you know, I had never lifted or trained in high school, right? We just played basketball. And, and so to be inducted into the Hall of Fame up here, it was just, uh, you know, a special day just to kind of wrap up the, the end of my playing days. Um, a lot of people don't realize how tough it is to play professionally overseas, too. I was fortunate enough to have an Italian passport and, uh, you know, basically to, to play the game I loved and get paid to do it. Um, and see the world. And, and I think so many people kind of lose, lose sight of that, right? I had a chance to enjoy another way of life, another culture, you know, in Italy, every, from like noon to four, everyone's having a big lunch and taking a nap. I mean, we need to adopt that lifestyle over here. I think that would be great. Except, except for my staff. I, they can't do that. <laughs> but uh, as we, as we talked about, you know, obviously I call it radio games. So I've, I've seen you live and in person the whole year. Never really see you get rattled. If you do, you don't show it at all. Um, do you ever feel any pressure being, you know, a former player, being someone local, having family and friends at every home game? No, I don't think there's time for that. You know, my mind's working so much on, uh, you know, so many different things. You know, you really don't have a, a chance to, to think about that. I don't even, you know, I haven't changed. So like, I'm still going to the grocery store and, and I got somebody, you know, saying, Oh, you know, nice hat. And I turn around and like coach Carm. I'm like, <laughs> and it, for me, it's not, nothing's changed. You know, I haven't changed who I've, who I've been um, from my stops as a director of ops to a head coach. And I think that's an uh, invaluable lesson for young coaches too. You know, you get so many guys that, you know, all of a sudden they're a head coach and they don't return text messages or they don't treat people the right way. And uh, for me, I, I, that's not what it's about. I, you know, it, it's about being able to be a giver and, uh, you know, kind of make this world a better place and to have a greater voice. So since I'm a head coach, I, I'm able to have a greater impact. And so now it's, it's even more of a responsibility to do things the right way. Um, but I think you always have to try to do things the right way. And, and I talked to my team about that today is, uh, you know, we have a responsibility, right? You have to be able to 
you know, hold guys accountable, but then they also have to look at me and realize that I'm holding myself accountable every day, right? I, I can go home and, you know, do whatever I want and, and not watch practice film and not make phone calls to recruit and keep this program where it's at. And, um, but I'm not, you know, we're trying to get this thing someplace it's never been before. And, and that's the goal, right? You guys were on teams that, that played in the postseason. Um, Sienna's never been to that second weekend in March Madness. You know, we want to get to a Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, and there's no reason why we can't, and, and that's the goal. So, you know, when guys talk about taking shortcuts, I remind them of why they're here and that, uh, you know, there's going to be a target on your back now. So everything is that much more important. No, nah, that's, that's very true. And we're, we're definitely excited to watch the journey. Um, the real question I have for you, Carm, is – Pre-COVID, how many text messages are you getting for ticket requests for a home game? <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's not too bad. I, uh, you know, so I got a certain number in my contract. So, you know, I give those so I don't have to deal with any tickets. I just give the hard tickets. I give them to my sister, my brother-in-law, my mom, my dad, my wife. Um, so that's five out the door. Then, uh, you know, the other 10, I gave one to my high school coach. His, his wife is battling cancer, so I wanted him to be able to get out. So I gave one to Coach Zulo. Um, then I give, uh, you know, I keep a couple in my desk for the staff in case they get, you know, different people that hit them up. Um, keep some for the maintenance guys on campus or the, the, uh, the lunch aides and, and the support staff. Um, but I think more or less people know. I think it's almost like a, a – we can't reach out to Carm. Everybody must be reaching out to Carm. So it actually helps that I'm a local guy because they all kind of don't want to bother me. And, you know, I tell them, hey, we, we got to get that season ticket total number up. You know, we were able to have 6,400 fans a, a night, but how, how great would it be if, you know, we just got 200 more people to buy season tickets? Just and, and that's the other thing we're trying to make a push now is regardless if we're able to have fans or not, you know, I would love everybody to just buy – you know, two seasons tickets just to support the program. And then, then they have it from next year if they can't come. But that money will definitely go to, uh, you know, a great place where we're able to kind of take care of our guys during this tough time. No, it's, you, you say all the right things. I'm, you, if, if, I, if, if you're recruiting me, I'm in. I'm, in, I'm buying in. <laughs> what a lot of people don't know if they don't go to the games is this is actually one of the funniest moments I've seen of you. You, you picked up the mic after uh, senior night, you know, just to thank the fans for coming. I'm not saying co coaches don't care, but you don't really see that in, you know, people, people, some coaches, you don't even know they're even, you know, a part of the program because they just go in and out of the tunnel really quick. Oh, no, it was funny. I, I and I caught a lot of flack for that because my <laughs> wife was making fun of my voice. I, was, I thought I sounded like, and not that she's even seen it. She's only seen the clip, but she, yeah. you know, I got to catch her up on her movies, but it sounded like Rocky yelling for Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll have to shoot you guys that video. You guys can make it into a meme or something. Sure. But, uh, it was, sure. uh, and, and that's, you know, I don't look like I get flustered, but like after games, people don't realize how tired you are after yeah. games. Like I have to have, I have one adult beverage and I like just, it takes me like three, four hours to decompress. And it's, you know, I, I stop at my, my best friend's house on the way home, which is, you know, exit, exit nine or eight a, and then I live at exit 11. So I stop, I have one cocktail. I see my mom and dad and sister. And, and if my wife is there because we have a babysitter, 
you know, I get to hang out and relax, but then of course I get all the questions. And then I think the worst, not the worst thing, but the thing that I try to do and my wife hates it, but I try to respond to every text message right after the games. Cause I'll get, you know, Hey, congrats on the winner. Hey, nice to whatever I get. I try to respond. So I'm not taking my time the next day. Cause usually it's another day to either watch film or if it's a day off, I got to either go recruiting or, you know, jump on the call list that the assistants put together for me because you know, I try to keep that organized too, where we work off of all Google Docs. So I'll have class breakdowns from, you know, the ne next three classes. So 22, 23, 24, and then contacts of guys I got to call just to make sure they're hearing from the head coach. So there's, you know, people don't realize that there's really no days <laughs> off, right? And just like, as you guys know. Yeah. And it, it's funny that you say no days off during this COVID, I know you didn't have any days off because you're on Zoom, but have you ever had that many days where you just were at your house? No. And <laughs> the, the, the blessing of it, though, is, you know, with now, obviously, our son's four months old. So he was born, you know, during the pandemic in Albany Med, which was great, uh, super safe spot. Uh, they took great care of us. And, uh, you know, my daughter, like you said, you guys saw her. So she's a handful. She's so energetic. But like, I got to spend so much time with my, my wife and kids. It's like, you know, the last time I spent that much time with my wife was the honeymoon with no kids. And, uh, you know, she was mad at me because she lost her sunglasses and it was my fault, you know? So <laughs> it's, uh, it, it was great though. I, I wouldn't change it for anything. Obviously I, I'm always going to look at the positives. So I was able to spend a lot of time with my wife and, and kids. Um, you know, try to be as safe as possible. You're able to enjoy the outdoors at least when, uh, when that happened, right. Go for walks and, um, I just think it, you know, it makes you reflect on how thankful, you know, we all should be that we are healthy and taking care of ourselves. Carm, you've done a great job taking Sienna to the next level. Already in your short time, you've had two players put their names in the NBA draft and you've had first row seat with that experience. Obviously last year was a little different with Jalen. You were able to be there in person for some of the events and talk them through it. This year, a little different with Manny, but just speak on that experience and kind of what it means one for the program two for those guys, um, but also just, you know, the, the feedback they've heard and kind of what their goals are moving forward. Yeah, I think it's just obviously a tremendous honor for the program, right? You want to prove mm -hmm. on the recruiting trail that you can go to Siena College and you can, you know, reach your dreams uh, to the highest level, which is the NBA. Uh, it was great for Jalen to, to test himself at the Chicago G League Combine. Um, it was great to be there for Form. I was thankful uh, to John Dargenio for letting me fly out and, and spend time and, and get to see him go to work. Uh, and out there, it was great because I got to see John Phelps, who's a former manager for Siena when I played, and he was in with the Pistons G League affiliate. Got to see Prosper Karangwa, who's the head of scouting for the Magic. So it was a little Siena reunion out there as we were talking before we jumped on this with, uh, you know, their Saints everywhere, right? Um, and then obviously for Manny, you know, he talked to me about it, and I said, no, man, like, like, I want you to declare because I think you're kind of an unsung hero and people need to hear your name more um, with just his style of play. I mean, man, he's just the ultimate professional. Um, you know, he does everything the right way. He doesn't take any shortcuts. He's self-made. You know, he was a guy that basically played seven minutes a game as a freshman. And, and uh, I think the coach at the time was trying to get him out of the program to a guy that played the two-guard spot for uh Jamie in and played about you know 20 some minutes a game and then for me he's playing 30 some minutes a game and his numbers doubled um and he he averaged over you know 20 double doubles and he averaged a double double so mm -hmm. I, you know for me it was about getting feedback for him and also for people to kind of take notice hey you know we're we're 
working up here and, and you know we're gonna get you better skill development wise we're gonna you know put you in our system with four guards and we're gonna make sure you're able to kind of produce and uh hopefully that translates at that next level yeah you touch a little bit on it. what what's it like to have a confidence in a player when they haven't really played a lot you know guys like when you were with jamie and degnan who really got no minutes and obviously produced unbelievably his senior year manny camper sammy friday what does it mean to you to see guys grow like that, you know, in just a short year? I think, I think it comes down to confidence and belief. You know, I think that power of belief is, uh, is tremendous. And uh, for me, you know, Manny just worked so hard. Uh, you know, I knew he was going to have a good year. And with how we play that kind of three, four multi-position guy, um, if you can dribble, shoot and pass and, and, and you understand the game and can kind of take what we're giving you scouting wise, you know, you're going to be able to produce because we're going to put you in positions to get to the foul line um, on top of how we want to play in transition, right? We kind of want to be able to attack and, and have, you know, we want to be able to score seven layups in transition a game. Um, you know, I, I think if you would look back, I would probably say Manny probably account for probably at least 50 to 60% of those with just himself. It's unbelievable. That's, yeah, that, that's a great stat. I might have to steal that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everywhere you've been, you've you've done well and you won. Um, your time at Fairfield, you've won. BU, you've won, and even at GW. And then obviously, in your short time back at Siena, you've won as well. Um, talk about where that winning mindset came and how early did you have that instilled in you as as a youth? Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think it started in high school. Uh, Jim Zulo, legendary high school coach up here, uh, coached me at Shenandoah High School. Um, you know, you just, you put in the work and, and you listen to the coaching and uh, you play as hard as you possibly can. And you don't worry about the scoreboard and it'll take care of itself and you'll win. Um, you know, I kind of have that same mindset as a coach with the preparation and with how we um, demand different things in practice, right? It's, it's how you coach your team. It's what you tell them and how you emphasize it. Um, it's how you build your practices and what breakdown drills you do. And it's instilling that confidence that, this is what they're going to see on any given night. And this is how we're going to handle those situations. So I think the belief and the confidence um, are two things that, that help um, kind of with that winning mentality. And then obviously the track record, right. And that kind of belief in yourself and um, tireless work ethic helps build um, the players up. And then they believe because they see that in their coaching staff and, and it kind of just grows um, organically there. What, what would you say the biggest transition for you personally was going from being an assistant to a head coach? Calling the shots. Um, you know, th there's so many different things that come across your desk, so many decisions that sometimes are the most minuscule decisions, but you still got to give an answer and you want to make sure it's the right answer. Um, I'm not one of these guys that's going to deliberate for 12 hours to give you an answer. You know, I'm going to kind of, you know, have a, a quick filtering system in my mind and then I'm going to go. And if, you know, no, no one says anything else, I'm going to go with what I think. Now, obviously I, I open it up to my staff and, and talk with them about situations and see what they're thinking. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I have to be comfortable with it. And so I think that's what it is. It, it's um, being comfortable, being comfortable with who you are and um, you know, being able to just kind of trust yourself and trust your gut. Absolutely. Um, 
going back a little, you, you've mentioned, you know, your time in the mile, how you're a big guy who, who loves to run. If you follow you on Instagram, we'll know you, you'll always post the, <laughs> the route you run in the miles. Um, just talk about how even now you're still finding time during your busy schedule to one workout and kind of clear your mind and have you time. But also, um, do you ever get a chance to run with the guys or put them on those same types of runs during the offseason? It's funny, Coach Coach Weish, obviously uh, my defensive coordinator, we grew up together, and he was never a guy that wanted to run. We'd always play one-on-one -on -one and work out. But, you know, I even asked him the other day when the power was out, um, mm -hmm. I said, hey, should I take these guys on that three-mile run with me? I was like, I know you weren't a big runner. He's like, no, nah, let's, what do you think? Maybe two in touch football. I'm like, all right, <laughs> you know. So we we conditioned for about 30 minutes and then we played some two hand touch football. Um, but you no, know, I think the biggest thing, you know, you have to be disciplined. You got to be able to take care of yourself. For me, those three miles I get to run, I listen to an audio book. Um, my mind gets to wander. Uh, sometimes I just run and think about what I want to do, or I'll have to pause my workout and then write notes in my phone because I just thought of something I want to talk to the team about or something that I want to do. Um, but no, I, I, it's invaluable to me. My wife, you know, sometimes gets mad. She's like, Hey, it's your off day. Can you come home and, you know, let me go do something, get my nails done or, you know, kind of just relax. I'm like, babe, I got to get my run in, you know, like it's, it's that religious where it's like, that's how I, I have to, I have to get it in to feel like I accomplished that one thing on top of, you know, all the ins and outs of scheduling and meetings and zoom calls. And, you know, it's the one thing that kind of gives me my peace for that, you know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Um, you know, it, I used to run a lot faster. I used to run like five to seven miles a day in my younger years. Now I'm down to just straight three and I, I have the route I run. It gives me some motivation. It's got a big hill. And uh, then afterwards I can at least feel like I can have a, you know, a piece of candy and some chocolate. <laughs> That's why I, that's why I run for the after. <laughs> Don't do anything prior, but everything's after. But we've touched a lot about COVID and, and things like that. And this is being coming becoming your second year, and you've implemented a great system your first year. What's it like to try to implement a system with ten new guys, and you really can't really work out with everyone? You know how how has that been going? You know it, it's been good. You know the guys come back for some film. Um, you know we try to break up the groups to give guys the the reps they need. The good thing is with smaller groups, you have more reps. Um, so being able to put Aiden Carpenter at the one and, and give him reps there and then put him in a group with Manny and Jalen so he can have reps at the two. Um, you know, so we've been strategic with every week with how we've made our groups. Sometimes the guys don't like it because they'll be in a, a group with a couple walk-ons. And I'm like, listen, you're still getting the same reps that you're going to get here. It's about where you put your mind and what you get out of it. Um, so there's always teaching points in there. Um, and then I think it's also good to be mindful to make sure these guys are getting in the weight room and getting in the training room and stretching. Um, you know, we're up to like 90 minutes on the court, 90 minutes in the weight room. Um, and so now we've limited the conditioning outside. So now we just do everything kind of on the court. And so I think it's just a gradual build, but we want to just make sure our guys are in the right spot to, you know, take that next step once we do start practice, which is, you know, I'm hopeful for uh, the 26th of October. Fingers crossed. I know Saints fans will be locked into Twitter, uh, waiting for live <laughs> footage, uh, some pictures or whatever, just to see the, the green and gold back on their chest. Um, just real quick, I know, you know, technically you were a walk-on at Siena. Um, talk about your kind of relationship with the walk-ons, uh, part of your teams, and how special that role is because it is a huge part of the team. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't 
I don't treat them any differently. Um, they're, they're, I expect them to know the plays and remember things. And, you know, I hold them just as accountable as I do Jalen or Manny or Dana or Aiden or Jordan King. It, for me, it doesn't matter. You know, they're, they're part of this team and, you know, they may have their number called, you know, you never know what situations come about, uh, especially now with COVID, right? What if five guys get it and God forbid, they got to be out 14 days, you know? So, you know, I, I treat them all the same. I, I value them as people, just like I value all my players and, you know, I hold them just as accountable. You know, there's, there's no difference. Um, so I, I think that's important too. Cause I think the other guys see that too, that there's no one getting any free lunch. <laughs> no, you got, you got a lot of guys too. So not, not, you don't want anyone to miss, but you got enough guys in, in the, in the, on the bus to, to be able to play. And as you said, I've been to a couple of your practices, everyone gets equal time, you know, practicing. So everyone is ready. You know, you've thrown people in at Canisius in the first half. Remember this year, you didn't like what was going on. Say, hey, get in there. But, hey, it's next man up, and that's one thing you can like about that. But have you have you had, like, a a pinch-me moment where you realize, you know, like, I am the head coach at Siena, or was there anything that you were, like, you know, woke you up a little bit? I don't think I've I, – I, I'm – I'm still kind of up there. I'm still not, I don't, I don't plan on waking up. Yeah. You know, trying to, trying to keep this thing going. And, and, you know, it's, it's not work when you do what you love. I think you guys can both kind of attest to that. Um, you know, every day is different. That's why I love being a coach. There's different problems and, and, you know, obviously uh, ups and downs and you can't get too high or too low with any of it, but um, all of it's enjoyable because, you know, we realize we're getting better through it all. And, um, we're growing young men to be, you know, better citizens in society when it's all said and done and teaching them life lessons through the game. So it's, uh, it's great work. It's, it's super enjoyable. And um, I hope I never come down. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to keep it going. I, I love that answer. I love it. <laughs> um, let's, let's go back into COVID. Um, obviously, everyone at the time was glued to their TV, watching The Last Dance. Um, you know, anyone who knows you knows you're a big Jordan guy. Um, obviously, we got a little tour of the office and saw the, the wonderful pictures. Um, we know you have a big collection of Jordan shoes. Um, talk, did you have the team watch it? Did you guys that kind of discuss it? And, and also talk about, you know, what it meant for you to watch the behind the scenes on, on your favorite player? Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. I, you know, I, I loved it. It was like, uh, you know, I, my wife's texting me, hey, you got to get home. This is, you know, this is coming on. So she even knew. And uh, it, no, it was awesome. I, I had the guys watch it some, um, you know, some of them are still too young. It's crazy, right? They, they had no idea. You know, that was kind of right during the prime when I was in like, you know, Jordan's like first year or second year, I was in like fourth or fifth grade. Um, so I got to basically grow with him, right? So I get to see him lose to the Pistons and then beat the Pistons. And then you get all his championships and then you get him retiring and coming back and then even get the wizard stints and the baseball stints. And, um, but yeah, we, we had one meeting um, on Zoom just about it, but I, I wanted them to enjoy it and not feel like they had to watch it to watch it. Some guys didn't watch it, some guys did. Um, the good thing is it's still out, out there so they can, they can pull it up if they want. Um, but, you know, I think it's uh, just the history behind it, right? And, and the, the little idiosyncrasies and things behind the scenes that you didn't know, like a lot of the stuff was documented that I knew about, like with the with Kraus and, and Reinsdorf and what was going on with Pippen and in those situations, that stuff was kind of in the media a lot. Um, 
and back then now you know you rather read that than do your homework when you're a kid so that's that's what i was reading but um no it was super enjoyable obviously um you know everyone wants to debate lebron and, and uh kobe and mike and you know i just think what separated mike was his his just his dog you know like he wanted to take your lunch every time he wasn't going to give you a free pass um, he wasn't going to take a playoff, whether he was up 30 or down 30, you know, he was going to come at your neck. Um, you know, I feel like some of these guys, you know, do take plays off. You know, I don't think, I think Jordan would have said, no, I don't want to bring any more all-stars on my team. I'm going to do it with these dudes right here. I'm going to make Steve Kerr better. I'm going to make Rodman better. I'm going to make Horace better. And, uh, you know, that's what I thought made Jordan special. Yeah, like like we've talked about a couple of times because we obviously all follow you on Instagram. We know the kids both have Jordans, so it's it's just it goes it's a trend trend down there. Is there any lessons or philosophies that you take from Jordan that you try to implement in your program? Um, I wouldn't say specifically from him. I just think the the one more mentality, right? Like the extra reps and the extra work, and you know teaching our guys that they can hold each other accountable and it's out of love and it's not, you know, being mean when somebody has a half-assed rep and they think that that's going to get it done in game time. Um, you know, I'm big into the game reps. You know, I want guys cutting hard on that first cut five on O as they do in the last cut, as they do, you know, with 10 seconds left in overtime in a tie game, like that cut has to be the same and that cut has to hold up. So I guess just that discipline piece, I think, um, but I don't think that's just from Jordan. I think that's from every great athlete that's been able to hold themselves accountable. And I think that now is an acquired skill. I think that's tough to evaluate when you're recruiting too, right? Who's going who's gonna to be able to hold themselves accountable when mommy and daddy have been holding them accountable back home. Now they get to college and there's all these other distractions. Well, it's easy to hold yourself accountable when your mom you know, says you got to be home or she's going to take the car from you. Or your dad says, you know, I'm not bringing you to the gym in the morning, right? That's easy. But now you're on campus, you got 24 hour access to a practice facility, you got, you know, other students trying to get at you and, and want to be your friends, whether it's female or male or play video games or go on a date. So at the end of the day, you know, your priorities got to hold up too. And, and we talked to CJ McCollum about that as well when he was on our Zoom, um, you know, this, this summer and just, uh, you know, making sure that guys understood, hey, you know, there's going to be even more distractions because now you're the defending MAC champion. Big target on your back, but I, I know you'll have the Saints ready. What would you say you're looking forward to the most this season, if there's one thing? I just can't wait to start playing, you know, a step at a time, right? But I, I can't wait to see how these guys are going to compete and, uh, you know, see what we look like from that first day. Then, you know, when we're hopefully down in Atlantic City for the MAC tournament. You know, I, I love seeing that growth of a team. Um, I think that was one of the more enjoyable things this year was seeing where we were from that first game against AU and then obviously, you know, the ups and downs of the Harvards and the Yales and um, how we grew as a team and, and paid more attention to detail um, in certain situations. And then, you know, kind of how we were playing as a unit and the confidence we had towards the end of the season. I think everyone could kind of see the growth of that team from a team that was 10 and 10 to a team that went to 20 and 10. Yeah, and you know we've been we've touched on a lot of COVID, but as you know, if you follow college basketball, most basketball players always come in the summer, and you know you get a lot of workouts with them. That's kind of where you get your your bonding with your team. Is there any of the newcomers that have surprised you uh, just just in a little bit of time you've seen them so far? 
Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Colin Golson, uh, he's from he's from Detroit, Ferndale High School. Juan Rickman's his high school coach, does a great job out there. Um, and something you wouldn't have known in the recruiting process. Um, and it's the first thing and the first time it's ever happened to me. You know, he asked one of my assistants for a steak knife. He went to the grocery store and he brought uh, he brought groceries to Manny Camperin and Nick Hopkins in Denzel's townhouse and he cooked them steak tacos. Wow. So, you know, he's a kid that, you know, we weren't sure he was going to qualify due to COVID and he's making the most of his opportunity at Siena. And, and, and um, so I think th for me, those are the stories, right? You're giving kids opportunities and uh, they're thankful and appreciative. Um, and then, you know, Aiden Carpenter, I think gives us a different gear. I think he could be our quickest guy. Um, you know, Dane is a mismatch nightmare. He can play two, three, four or five, um, but super skilled. So and then Kyle Young, you know, he's lost a ton of weight. He's in great shape. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, we're expecting some, some big things out of. But, you know, I'm just excited to be able to, one, put the whole team together. So talk to me after that, and then we'll go, we'll go from there. Carm, a lot of Saints fans are wondering, a lot of back and forth on Twitter. I know you had a couple of quotes in the media, but where will the Saints be playing this season? The TU on campus, what's your preference and, and what do you think is really going to happen if you could speak on it? My, my preference is the TU just because it's our home court, you know, that, no other reason. Obviously, there's a, a financial obligation there. It costs a certain amount of money to put down the court. Uh, we don't know if we're going to have fans up to a certain date. Um, and so, you know, if, if we have to play in the art, great. But, you know, Siena basketball's home is the Times Union Center. And even if it's not, with fans, you know, I think our guys enjoy playing there too. And, you know, I try to keep as many things the same as we can, right? You have game day routines, you have shoot around. Um, you know, I don't like to change if we don't have to. Hey, amen. And and you even have Colin could be your chef before the game now I'm hearing. So you know, <laughs> meals are gonna be on him. But uh, what's, the, what's the best single game performance you've ever seen? Doremus Betterman against Kansas State. Bam. <laughs> I like it. Quick. <laughs> I did quick. Um, favorite food spot to eat in Albany? Maurice's hot roast beef every game day. Okay. Really? Wow. I never, where is that? South Pearl Street, right on that oh, corner. Okay, okay. What's the uh, best arena you've ever been to or played in? The Pit, Albuquerque. Nice. Nothing wrong with that. This season, will you be coaching in a mask? Up to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Halloween's coming up. You can have a lot of masks. Uh, fa favorite uh, moment as a Sienna player? Um, probably, I believe we had a couple injuries. I got to start against Rice um, my senior year, and Eric Cooper was a good friend and an AAU teammate, and, and we beat Rice with uh, Mike Wilkes, who went to the NBA, and a couple other guys that were really good. And, and I got to start against a, a, a team that was a you know a really good team and proved that I could you know help, just help the team win and, and be a starter. Love it, I love it. Who's the best basketball player you ever played against? That's a good question. So, couple. Sean Kennedy, when he played at Maris, was really good. Speedy Claxton, when he played at Hofstra, was really good. Kenny Thomas at New Mexico. Uh, but I'd have to say either Ron Artest or Wally Zerbiak in the Empire State games. 
Wow. Wally gave us like 50 and, and everyone tried to guard him and it didn't matter. <laughs> um, if you could choose one Sienna Saint to play with that you didn't, who would it be? Mark Brown. Nice. Can't, can't go wrong there. <laughs> you spoke on your pregame meal, but are there any other pregame rituals or superstitions you do? So always get the run in game day run. Got to get it. Um, before shoot around is when I get the roast beef. Um, <laughs> and then I'll try to have just like a piece of grilled chicken or a little salad with the guys or just to like kind of dive in or before my run or after my run. Um, and then I always have a, uh, always have cherry juice. Oh. I always drink cherry juice and I have a, uh, a ginger drink as well, like a ginger shot just for, uh, for immunity purposes. Cause I, I try not to eat too much, especially during the season. I cut out carbs as well. So no pasta pregame, straight protein and salad. <laughs> yeah, that makes it easy. What, uh, what is one piece of advice you give to someone who's starting out in the industry? Be able to do everything. That's, that says it all right there. That's that's perfect. That's definitely perfect. Um, this is the end of season one, but we, we, you know, who would you love to see on our podcast that's a CN affiliated, whether it's a, a coach, a player, manager, um, who's someone that you love to see as a guest? Well, I got a, I got a probably a good list for you guys. Um, <laughs> send it over. <laughs> send it over. I think, I think Prosper Karangwa would be great. Uh, former teammate of mine, Marcus Faison. Um, I think he would be amazing. Dwayne Archibald, Coach Hewitt. Um, you know, I think those four guys, even I think Greg Dashnall would be great on yeah. your pod. Yeah, you know, Boogie. I think, I think <laughs> Hammer, Hammer's been a, you know, he's a legend. He's been there forever. He's seen a lot. He could probably give you some good stories. I think Mike Dean would be good. Um, you know, so I think there's, there's a, there's a short list for you. No, we, we appreciate it. Well, we, well, we're going to, if we can get them, they're going to be on here. So, but definitely appreciate you coming on and helping us out and wish you all the best this year with, you know, with getting it second Mac, Mac championship in a row, we'll all be watching. Uh, and we, we hope the best, but don't forget to subscribe and wherever you listen to podcasts and our YouTube official page that will do it for first, the first season of sideline stories podcast. Thank you.